Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras episode number 119. And you guys, I am so freaking excited about this episode that I can barely contain myself. I'm going to try and hold it together here. If you're on my email list, you will have gotten uh, an email from me the other day with the subject title of 25 Hot Pink Post-it Notes. Very bizarre subject line, but very timely because I'm standing here at my desk recording this intro for this podcast, and I'm looking at those 25 hot pink post-it notes. And if you got the email, then you know that those post-it notes are thoughts and ideas and topics that I got from the conversation that you're about to listen to with Lindsay Dundell. And those of you guys might recognize this name. Lindsay has been on the podcast before, but this time she's here to talk about her first 50K experience. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Lindsay Dunville. Take it away, Lindsay. Hello, good morning. I'm so happy to be able to talk with you again after actually finally doing the thing. <laughs> the big screen. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm Lindsay. I uh, we, we chatted before, but I, um, I am a recreational runner, back of the pack kind of runner. And uh, I started I started running as just a, a, a stress relief kind of thing and ended up really, really enjoying it and challenged myself to different distances. Um, Pre-kids, I did a few marathons and I enjoyed that distance. And then uh, post-kids, I uh, started to get interested in uh, trail running and then, um, you know, got hooked on this idea of, of pursuing an ultra <laughs> on the trails. So that's how we got here. <laughs> I'm always curious, how did you get first introduced to ultras? Like how did it come into your knowing? How did you figure them out? Yeah. So I started, um, fall really it was through social, social media. I started mm. following, um, um, some more so some mother runner, uh, kind of, uh, uh um, sites that, um, that did ultras and, uh, found that really inspiring to, to see how they sort of integrated in that training and that challenge into, into their life with, with kiddos. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, it really just went from there. I found your, uh, your site and got really interested. And I really, I, I've said this before, but I, I really found it, um, I resonated with the fact that you you've kind of identified as a sort of mid to back of the pack runner and <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That. And it's funny because I actually had a conversation via email the other day with someone who said the very same thing <clears throat> that she had searched around two, two things. One was she had searched around on podcasts about trail running and ultras and one that they were mostly hosted by, by men, which there's nothing wrong with that. But then most of them were really focused on being super fast and there weren't a lot of discussions around, hey, like, you know, if we're just kind of like to your point, recreational runners, we like this, but we now want to see how far we can go. There's like a huge sort of gap here where no one's really, it's not really coming from a female perspective and not from the perspective of being like not at the front of the pack, which is <laughs> kind of why I started the podcast and why I'm so hellbent on having normal everyday people come on and tell us about their 50K experiences because I think it will then normalize this idea, which it's very common out there in the actual world. When you go to a trail race or you go to an ultra, you're going to see 
the same things that you see at road races. You're going to see fast people and you're going to see everybody else. And that could be the person who's Mm -hmm. dead fucking last and everybody in between. And there's always going to be somebody that's first and there's always going to be somebody that is last. And that's just the nature of the beast. And so when we talk about everybody other than the first fast people, then I feel like the conversation really opens up to, hey, I, I don't have to be that. That doesn't have to be my only objective in doing this thing. I don't have to be super fast. I mean, that was not to get off on a, like another side tangent, but like that was everybody's question to me was like, oh, that's great that you do that thing when I was road running. Are you going to get faster? And I was like, okay, let's forget. Yeah. <laughs> no, no mention of like, hey, I just ran 26.2 miles. Yeah. Like your only idea is that I should be faster. Like, I don't yeah. see you out there doing it. <laughs> I think that's really, really important. And and now that I think about it, actually, I believe I found you first through your podcast. I was looking for um, ultra running podcasts and the ones I was normally coming across were great to listen to, but they really, I just didn't, couldn't relate to them because it was more so about, you know, these big, um, you know, goals on, on the, on the pace side of things. And you know, I am not a fast runner. I, I think I'm actually slowing down, which is not surprising, but um, it's so important because if, and I hate, you know, this It's such a cliche to say, but if I can do it, anyone can do it. But I really, really do believe that I don't consider myself a very athletic person and I, I, I just really enjoy it. And if, if I could get out there and do the training and, and do the race at the pace that, that I managed to maintain, then I really do believe anyone who has this idea, whether they're fast, slow, can really, really you know, give it a go and, and do great. I love that you said that because I try to say that as much as possible. And I think I've sort of t- sort of shot myself in the foot here because like I have done a lot of like longer distance races. And so people are like, well, but no, you know, I'm just, I'm just at the 50 K level, which that's where it starts. You guys, <laughs> like I was this same person. I was you at the, just the 50 K level for a long time. And then I was like, okay, we're going to sort of tug on the ends of this string a little bit and see how far we can go. So I will say it's like kind of a slippery slope from 50 K to 200 miles. Like, you know, it may, and that, and that may not be your thing and that's totally fine, but don't ever discount yourself because quite literally, if I can do it, you can do it. And you're also proving that like, Growing up, I played sports, but I hated running. I hated running. I don't know how many times I have to say that, but like I played soccer and softball. Like soccer, you're obviously getting a little more running in there, but I didn't particularly enjoy it. And softball, you're just sprinting to the bases, which I also hate sprinting. <laughs> so like I hate speed work. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know how else to really like paint the picture for people. You don't have to love running growing up in order to be an ultra runner. And you also don't have to be quote unquote good or fast in order to do it or enjoy it yeah. and to go 200 miles. Like it's just so at literally, yes. if I can do yeah. it, you can do it. If Lindsay can do it, you guys that are listening to this, you guys can also yes. do this as well. Okay. <laughs> and I say you guys, but we're really like you yeah. ladies out there. Cause that's obviously like my focus, but anyway, I hijacked the conversation. So you were introduced to this idea of ultras. Did you know right away? Like, were you like, oh, yes, I want to do this. Or did it take a little bit of time for you to be like, come around and like warm up to the idea that you were going to do a 50K? I don't think it took very long. I just, it, it took longer for me to, to, to get myself on board with, 
recognizing that it was an achievable goal um, and that I wanted to, you know, put put my name, register, basically take the jump to register. I think it just, it took a little bit longer for that side of things, but I always knew in my mind that I did want to try it. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I know you've talked about this a lot, but the whole idea of there's never a, a good time, there's... I really started to recognize that pretty quickly that I could keep trying to push something off that I wanted to do. And it was just never going to be the perfect time. So mm -hmm. I, I think it was around last Christmas, uh, this, this ultra uh, race opened up. I said, I'm, I'm doing it. That's going to be my goal. I register. And that, and that was that really. <laughs> so yeah. did you find yourself? Um, Cause I think this is something that, especially you brought up the fact that, you know, you ran pre kids and then post kids. I often hear from people like, well, when my kids are dot, 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 I'll do this. Did you find yourself sort of thinking those same things? And if so, I'm curious if you have tips for women out there with kids who are sort of thinking, well, I can't do this until my kids are dot, dot, dot whatever, insert whatever circumstance. Yeah. So my kids, I'll just give for perspective that my kids are four and two. Um, so it's, they're quite young, really, really active and, and they need, uh, they need me and my husband a lot <laughs> for, for most things. So, um, there's not a lot of independence there yet. So I, I did worry about the logistics of, the longer runs um, on the weekends. And it was a conversation I had with, with my, my hubby uh, about, you know, um, it's not a permission thing. It's just, can we make this work? Are you comfortable if, if I'm gone for, you know, a few hours on some weekends, per particularly during that, you know, high peak of training where the responsibility is going to solely fall on you and what can we do to make this work? Uh, I didn't, I, I didn't so much worry. I, di I didn't think, about, you know, when they're older, I do, I'll do it. It was just more so how can we make it work at this age? And, and I, I'll say having a, um, a supportive spouse or partner was really, really key <laughs> to, to making that happen because, you know, they're not easy kids. They're awesome. But, but at that age, it's, you know, I, I get home from my long run and my husband looks like he's also done a long run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can also remember seeing a lot of your Instagram stories where you had your little one with you in the stroller and you guys were going out and there were some like it was raining sometimes, you had the cover on, you guys were just rocking out. No. I loved it. It was so amazing. So you found a way to sort of incorporate them uh, into your training as well. I did. And honestly, that was it's probably one of my most favorite memories from this training period was, you know, the it's the, the back to back long run weekends, I would normally go out by myself on the the first day for the longer of the two. And then I did try and um, uh, push along a kiddo in a stroller on the second day, which, you know, just, uh, you know, for their experience, my experience, and then it gave, it gave my husband a little bit of a break just having one on one time with uh, the other. Um, we won. So, uh, it was so much fun. It was, it was really challenging. Um, but you know, some little mini goals that I achieved during that training, you know, I pushed my, my son, the longest I pushed a stroller, it was, I think it was 18 kilometers, which was huge for me. I never thought I would ever be able to do that. And, uh, yeah, we got hit with torrential rain, different conditions. And I just, you know, obviously make sure he was healthy and taken care of, but it just took it as, you know, a part of the training challenge. And, you know, we did it. We <laughs> And uh, I, I kind of used that during, during my race as just pulling from some of those challenging runs where, you know, I was pushing uh, a 30 pound child. And, and so, you know, running on my own, I 
you know, I, I could do it a little, I, I knew that if I could do that, I could, I could, I could do this kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that sort of ties back to a couple different things. One, your training doesn't have to be perfect all the time, right? Like you can, like you said, you can make creative ways or come up with creative ways to get it done. You went out by yourself on the first day and then you took a kid on the second day and you made it fun. You made an adventure. Was it going to be your fastest time? Probably not, but just the strict objective of, I need to go out. I need to get these miles in. And I also need to help take care of my kids, right? Like, and, and making it a fun way to do that. And then also having the added benefit of just what you were saying remembering when you were out on your longer runs by yourself, like, oh, I actually went this far and maybe even further while pushing a kid and navigating that as well. So if I can do that, then I can do this. So I love that. I think that's like, that's one of the things that I think, like I said earlier, is like, there are women who have kids out there that are thinking, I can't do this because I have kids instead of sort of shifting. And again, this is coming from somebody who doesn't have kids. So I, I obviously want to defer to you and, and love that you share those, those points of view, but like, how can you get creative? How can you like reframe how you're thinking about this? It's not, I've been thinking about this and talking about this a little bit in the run your first 50 K group a lot, which is like you as a person and your everyday life isn't separate from you as a runner and the quicker you can get right with that and figure out ways to make them merge together and sort of bleed or blend one into the other, the easier this whole process will be. I don't know if if that resonates with you or if that's what you figured out, but that's, that's sort of how I've come at this. A hundred percent agree. I think that you can look at something as a complete roadblock or just something that you just have to navigate through. And it's exactly once you take on that mindset and just, okay, let's figure this out. You know, for example, for, for, for parents with, um, with young kids who want to try and do this, I found that unless you have a, a, you know, young kids that um, in in a spouse that might work shift work or leave early, I I found I was able to get out and do my, my weekday runs really early before work, before the kids were up, before my husband, husband was up. And that was, you know, I, I actually like mornings, but for some that may be a really a big challenge for them, but that really helped um, just make that weekday process smoother. I wasn't running in the evening, kind of leaving my, my uh, husband to, to manage bedtimes and dinners and stuff. It just really worked for the, for the morning runs. I found that, I know it's not a, not the same if you're by yourself, maybe with kids, but we don't own a treadmill. So it was all outdoor, um, you know, running where I, ha- I did have to leave the house. So, um, you know, for some with kids, uh, if you do have a running stroller, you may have to <laughs> take them along at a time that works for you, or if you can get out at lunch or those were kind of the, the things I made work. I really did try not to run in the evening during the week so that I had time with, with the, with the, with the children too, after work and school and stuff. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think is really important, regardless of whether you have kids or not, but particularly if you have kids is gathering support and, and quote unquote, buy-in from your partners or your spouses or your family members, um, to help you make this goal happen. And you can sort of bargain or barter or, you know, like (laughs) negotiate for whatever you might need and, and build this community around you. And it can be a community of people that aren't even related to you too. Like, you know, you could trade babysitting favors with other moms. You could run together, you know, you could, there's lots of creative ways that you could go about getting 
your shit done, right? And and building a community and trading favors and helping one another. I think that this is sort of how it's an extension of really how cool the trail running and ultra running community really is. That if once you sort of put that energy out in the world, um, you don't even necessarily realize how many people would sort of jump at the opportunity to help you accomplish your goal, even though they themselves might never want to, like that might just not be in their wheelhouse, but they are totally down to help somebody else. And and they want to sort of be a part of that magic, so to speak, and in you achieving your goal. And it could be just as little, like a little thing like, hey, could you watch my kid for half an hour or whatever in order to make this happen? So I, I want to sort of put that out there because that's a conversation I've had with quite a few people. And I include myself in this because I'm always like, well, I can't do that because, and it's some sort of perceived or made up obstacle or challenge that I've created in my head. And then when I talk to my husband or I talk to somebody else, I'm like, what do you think about this? And they're like, oh yeah, to- like that's not a problem. I'll I'll do that. I'll help you. And I'm like, oh, I just spent like the last week like <laughs> worrying about <laughs> stressing about this. Yep, 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 100%. So, you know, like it's one of the things we talk about in Run Your First 50K is like build a community, get buy-in, like ask for help and don't be afraid. Like what's the worst they can say? No. Okay, great. Then we come up with another solution, right? We find another way. And this again is just another thread into how you will accomplish that ultra running goal because sort of the the, parallel situation is like, okay, what happens if you're out on a trail run and you get lost? Like, what are you going to do? Just stop? (laughs) Like (laughs) you got to figure out it. You have to figure out a way to extricate yourself from that situation. So you can't just throw up your hands and say, okay, somebody come get me. Like, that's not how it works. (laughs) Getting good at troubleshooting sort of on the fly. And you mentioned, you know, helping friends out. I can think of some of my most cherished, cherished runs with friends where uh, my, my kids had, were in uh, daycare or or what, whatever the case may be. So um, I pushed one of my friend's children while well, they like one of the two and we ran together and it was great. And, and, and it was such a good, you know, it was just way to help each other out. And it was, it yeah. was actually a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that this race came up that you knew you wanted to sign up for. Can you share with us what, what race you actually did? Cause I think also this idea of exposing people to more races and their understanding. Cause so for everyone, for context, you're in Canada, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. So this is a <laughs> Canadian race. Yeah. So if you want to race internationally, yeah. go to Canada, visit Lindsay. Yes. So it's a race uh, through, um, uh, uh, it's called Happy Trails Racing is the is the company that runs it. And uh, so they run a series of ultras throughout the um uh, I think it's just the summer and fall. And so this race was called the Beeve because it's held at a conservation area with um, uh, the, the falls under, under a uh, waterfall under that name. And uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm in Ontario. So all the, all the races under the, this, this company are, are uh, in, um, in Ontario. And uh, I had just seen, um, just looked through some of their races and this really seemed like something that looked like a lot of fun. It was somewhat close to me and um and and I had enough time to to prepare for it (laughs) so that's that's kind of why I I went with this this race and talk to us a little bit about the terrain and the elevation maybe Mm -hmm. is it like um like wide and flat or is is it you know narrow and technical and steep like yeah give us the lowdown so it uh it was on, on, I don't know if you're familiar with the the Niagara Escarpment or the Bruce Chair, Trail. It's this it's this um, you know escarpment that runs through Ontario. So it, portions of it were were on that. So you don't we don't have mountains here, but you know it's hilly sections. Um, 
Um, the race was described as generally groomed trail uh, with some uh, pretty technical sections, but short technical sections. And uh, I found it a little different than that <laughs> on the day of. We can talk about that. But um, <laughs> that was a troubleshooting uh, section that I had to deal with. But um, elevation was pretty good. It was, I don't think it would be anything um, anyone would consider too, too challenging. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do in meters. I think it was like 200 and, or 300, around 300 meter elevation mm-hmm. change. Um, just a one big, uh, one big hill at the, at the beginning. And then you did a, a loop. Uh, twice two 25k loops yeah yeah so yeah <laughs> we can talk about the actual <laughs> which I think that's sort of funny because you know it's I do think it interesting how a race director can put together a just a course description and use a set of words to <laughs> describe a course and you think you have a good idea based on that description and then you show up the day of and you're like Mm, this is not what I had envisioned in my head. <laughs> yeah, I, I quickly realized that <laughs> I had to sort of pivot from from certain goals, which was, which I was totally fine with. But um, yeah, the description. I mean, probably for many who are experienced trail runners, it might have uh, you know described it exactly. Just for me, the technical sections were a lot. Um, more technical and not as mm-hmm. short as as I anticipated, but I've always read not to go on a rant here or uh, uh, yeah, uh, but I've I've always feared hills and they've always been my um, you know my big my big challenge. So I was really focused on that in training and did some um, uh, some of my longer runs uh, in uh, a, a, a provincial park that that was quite it's it's quite hilly. Um, so I I did feel really prepared for that. Um, but yeah, where I, where I, where I was certainly lacking was on the, the, the technical terrain. And I, I, I didn't have an opportunity to actually go check out the race course. Um, that probably would have helped or maybe, maybe made me more worried. I'm not sure, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I focused on the Hills and the Hills were not a challenge at all during the race, which was great, but <laughs> yeah. So talk a little bit about your training. So you, you did go through the run your first 50 K program and got the training plan. And so you, you weren't able to go ahead of time and like see your race course. So you trained based on like what we talked about in the program and what you read off the website. So where, what sorts of places and like environments did you get to train in? Was it mostly road? Did you get to get on some trails? Yep. So um, we actually moved partway, <laughs> partway through oh, my train. Right. I forgot yeah, about move. that. <laughs> yeah, move city completely. Complete cities uh, in, the, in middle, the middle of your training. In the middle of training. <laughs> um, but what was really an awesome part of that, um, you know, with respect to the training plan is we moved somewhere where there are trails everywhere and they're just wonderful. So I was really excited about that. So what I did just because most of my morning runs were really early before work, I, I did my weekday runs, um, it, on road. Um, and you know, some of the, uh, they're, you know, groomed non-technical trails if they were sort of within city limits. And then I did my first long run, on the weekend of the back-to-backs, I tried to do as many as I could on um, more technical trails uh, in the area. So yeah, my, primarily I, I did, um, it's called Short Hills Provincial Park, where I, I did a lot of my uh, my my uh, long run training on. And then the, the second back-to-back, I would just do on roads again, mostly because I had stroller with me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So did you find that that was, I mean, you know, hindsight being 2020 now, did you find that that was at, like adequate? Would you, would you do it differently if you were going to do the same race race next year? Like I would probably try to do more back-to-backs both days on trail if I could. It was one of those, you know, make a sacrifice because the time to get out there, the time to get back, um, you know, it was just easier just just to run from home on that second day. Um, But I would try and incorporate a a couple more just to get my legs used to that, that trail challenge um, for, for longer on the back-to-back runs. Um, But for the most part, I was actually pretty happy with how my training went. I mean, you could always go on the trails, you know, I'd always love to do that more, but I, I got enough of it that I felt prepared come, come race day besides the the technical so when I say technical is really rocky and and lots of boulders that were really not runnable for for most I think I saw you know a couple of gazelle like (laughs) runners flying across them but for I think 95% of us you had to you know scramble or or walk across uh, those parts and I I haven't come across that terrain locally yet Um, so that really really um, if if I do that race again that would be something I'd try and uh, get some practice on. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things that's interesting about trails and ultras. It's going back to this idea of describing the course. It's difficult if you're a race director, especially if you're covering and utilizing different portions of many different trails and you've got, you're covering a longer distance versus say like shorter loops that you're going to do multiple times, like more than two times to describe every inch of the trail. And so this is sort of where going back to your adapt and overcome and troubleshoot on the fly comes into play because you're never going to know unless of course, like, like we talk about in running first 50 K, like if you can go there ahead of time and try and get at least one pass at the course or look at multiple sections ahead of time so that it increases your knowledge and your confidence, obviously that would be, that would be great. I mean, that would be ideal, but if you can't do that, then you have to sort of rely heavily on what the course description is. If there's a GPX file or like videos, or if you can like YouTube it and see if other people have made their own little videos about the course and do a little fact finding mission, a little research project, like think about going back to school and like doing a whole project on this race and trying to gather up information. It'll help you to become more confident and more knowledgeable about what you're going to do. But then also there's always this caveat, which is you're never going to know a hundred percent. And there is the likelihood there is the potential for the race director to have to change the course. I mean, it's trails. You could have a big tree come down. You could have, um, you could have a forest fire, you could have flooding, you could have all sorts of things that change the natural landscape that is outside of their control and thus outside of your control. And thus you have to sort of be down to just tackle whatever is in front of you. So I love that you brought that up. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what I did once I got out there, um, you know, after the initial, oh, and, and, and I should say this race notoriously has terrible weather. It it was the most magical weather day for, we got the most beautiful day, but in years gone, years gone by, I think they've had snow and rain and uh, a beaver dam flooding, hence the name of the, of the, of the, of the race. And uh, which, you know, I was going, when I was running along, uh, I, I think I said out loud multiple times, I can't believe you've, you know, with people who've done it before that were near me, I can't, I can't believe you ran this with snow and ice because 
I was slipping and sliding and it was perfectly dry on those rocky yeah. things. So I just kind of, you know, tried to remember, well, you've got it, you've got it good today. So just embrace it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the other element too, that we didn't talk about. It's like you, you, you can show up to some of these places and think that the weather's going to be one thing because that's what it's traditionally been in years past. And you always sort of always have to be prepared in the back of your mind. What if it rains? What if it snows? What if it, you know, what if it's cold? What if it's super hot? You know, all the possible permutations, even though you're trying to train in the same conditions or for the specific conditions that you anticipate facing, there's always that little, everything in trail running and ultras has a little asterisk <laughs> next to it. It's like, yeah. yes, but dot, 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 right? Yeah. Like yeah. just be prepared. And in the fine print, it says be prepared for anything, yes. right? <laughs> And for type A personalities that, like myself, that is a big struggle. But I, I really do think the sooner you kind of accept that, the <laughs> that that's the way ultra and trail running is, and 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 embracing that in your training too. Um, not to you know go off course here, but I will say I had some pretty uh, imperfect um, trail uh, training runs, and what I mean by that, you know, one run, one of my longer runs, I. I, I was really sick and I, I didn't realize to the extent I, I, you know, I actually needed medication only after the, you know, after the fact and I had like this terrible run in the sense that, you know, I felt like I hit a wall. I ended up walking good, like the majority of, you know, the last 10 K of it, I think it was a 34 K run I had to do. And, um, I just felt so discouraged. And, but then the next day I went out and I did my longest stroller run with my, with my, um, my wee one. And I, uh, I, you know, I remembered that on come, you know, race day that though you push through those imperfect runs and they really, really do make it easier race day when you kind of encounter uh, mm -hmm. a, a challenge along the trail. Right. So they helped me tremendously. I love <laughs> that, that you brought that up because that was going to be like my next question for you was like, okay, you did, you know, you had this experience with not fully knowing what you were going to show up for on race day. Like, did you have other than moving in the middle of your training cycle <laughs> that, which is like a big undertaking unto itself. Yes. Um, did you have any other, you know, uh, issues or challenges or obstacles, but I love that you brought up that, yeah, you have, there's, there's probably a lot of less than quote unquote, perfect runs that are going to take place over the course of a training cycle. I want to really, um, Ban banish. I don't know. I don't know what the, what the word I'm looking for here is, but like, I want people to just banish this idea from their head that your training must be, you must be a hundred percent compliant. Everything must go perfect. Like every run must be like Instagram worthy. Like 90% yeah. of my runs are not no. <laughs> right. And nope. you know, like they're just, they're, they're hard. They, they might not be fun. Yeah. You know, there are certain aspects or elements of them that are really exciting or really fun, but a lot of times you just have to show up and get the thing done and then stack up a lot of, of imperfect work that eventually, like we talk about, puts sort of like money in the bank and it compounds over time. And then that's what gets you to race day. So I, I get very sad and upset when I see people either, you know, in the group or, 
uh, just generally online who are like, oh, I had, you know, two or three bad runs last week. I think I'm just like not cut out for this yes. thing. And I'm like, no, please <laughs> it keep makes going. You more cut out for us. <laughs> it does. It does make you even more cut yeah. out for it. Yes. I love that you said that. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So like imperfect runs, was there anything else that you sort of encountered or any other time where you were sort of like, I don't know, maybe yeah. I, maybe I can't. So that, that run was a tough one mentally. That was, you know, when I got home from that, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, I just don't know. But then the next day I sort of, you know, regrouped and, and, and then I, I, I reframed, um, you know, exactly, like exactly what you said, just looking at it as uh, it's, it's such a teachable, uh, run. Like I learned so much from it. And there were others like that similar where I ended up just having to, uh, walk for whatever reason. I just, I was exhausted or I wasn't feeling well. And, um, and I, I and I, Oh, perfect zone two training. <laughs> and I, and, and mental training. You know, I said, I came home from one, I said, well, to my husband, well, I had ended up having to walk a lot of that. And I, you know, initially was frustrated with myself, but then I realized it was just the perfect training for zone two and mental training because it obviously took me longer because I was walking. And mm-hmm. that's, that was, you know, something I pulled, pulled from my toolbox during the race. And, you know, you did it that day. There's no reason why you can't do it today. And, mm-hmm. um, there was talking about imperfect training programs. I think I missed, uh, due to illness to one full week or almost two weeks full, completely off of running. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, a couple of long runs in there that, that I wasn't able to, to achieve due to that. And, and again, it really, it was, um, just more so about the consistency, just knowing that, you know, okay, that's not going to make or break you just show up again when you, f- you feel well, get back into it and, and then look back to the, you know, to your past, uh, training and, and kind of pull from that for encouragement because you, you haven't lost. It's not all is lost because you, you, you didn't get a run in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what would you, if you sort of like rewind in your mind, what was the longest, long run that you did over the course of your training. Do you remember? Yeah, I think it was the 34 and then I was 34 kilometer and then I was supposed, so it was 34 the one day, 18 the, the second day. And I think I was, uh, I was using the run your first 50 K plan. And I think I was supposed to do 38 the following week. And that's when I was ill. And then I, 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 I took your advice and didn't try and cram missed training in and it was totally fine. <laughs> so just for anyone who's panicking that they've missed, you know, some of their high peak training, like it did not affect me in any way. Um, in fact, it was, it was likely better just to not, like you say, cram that missed training. Yeah. yeah. I love that you said that because one of the things that we see a lot is I have to go the distance before I actually go the distance on race day or people try and get, you know, if it's a 50 K they try and get right up to that line, maybe not actually 50 K, but they try and come within, you know, striking distance. And one, that's one of the things that I think hurts more than helps because you really are pushing yourself to that very extreme end of the limit before you actually need to do that on race day. And, you know, training is all about sort of micro dosing yourself to these distances at regulated intervals, building up and then cutting back and having some rest. And, you know, we talk about all this stuff. And again, it goes back to this idea of the people that I typically see cram work in are the ones who are very, very, very sporadic in the, in the week's 
past that they should have been using to just slowly deposit money into their training bank by showing up and doing the little runs, the ones that they might think are silly or inconsequential, like it's only dot, 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 3K, 5K, whatever it might be, right? But those are the ones where you're starting to build that bank that you can draw from on these later runs, but also on race day, right? And people forget, they think they make it all about the big runs and they forget about all the little ones that I think are actually even more important. Yes, 100%. I I really do believe that. And, you know, I, prior to this plan, I was a three run a week runner and- Mm -hmm terrified of doing back-to-back runs because in the past, you know, I, I'd get a you know runner's knee or something if I ran two days in a row. And mm-hmm. um, I just, I, I just the way the plan is laid out, it, it is so manageable. I, I personally found, and I did not get injured in any way <laughs> doing it, which was, you know, probably the first time where I've, you know, followed an actual plan and not, you know, had, um, you know, some thing crop, you know, crop up. And, um, and it was the it was the consistency of those just just the consistency and building from the bank that's that's pulling from the bank that I sorry I'm not explaining it very well but that's really really what um what you know got me to that um, start line healthy and able to able to finish the race healthy yeah. and happy yeah which is super important mm-hmm. right and like a lot of times we we ju- we go so hard in the training that we show up on race day. Like I think of this in like analogy that my friend told me one time about how he wants to live his life. Like you want to, this is going to sound a little morbid, but like, right. Showing up on, on death's door, hair blazing, like, you know, you're fully tattooed, like (laughs) cigarette hanging out of your mouth, like a beer in the, like you fully lived life. Right. And some, that's how people, some people show up to race day and we almost want the complete opposite on like when you show up on race day, you want to be rested. That's why the taper is so important. You want to be like fresh eyed and ready to go. You almost want to feel like, Oh, do I really have, you know, like, Oh, I'm so comfortable. Do I really? But then, and I think people that typically show up more in that form do better than the people that show up ragged, overtrained, super tired, mentally drained, you know, just like, like zombies yeah. <laughs> showing up to the, to the starting line. <laughs> I I agree because I have been that person. <laughs> and uh, during this race, I actually, you kind of described me perfectly. I was just so relaxed. I was like, oh gosh, yeah, I have to run 50 or I, I don't like saying have to, I get to run 50 yeah. K soon, but more so, oh gosh, okay, well, let's do that. But it was really, it was a relaxed, you know, um, and I did not feel in any way, you know, overtrained or I just felt like really good, high energy. It was funny, um, the week leading up, my husband got really sick. (laughs) It has just been between, you know, with my young kids, it's just been one virus after another in this house. And I, I I, you know, between the move and there were a lot of challenges with that. And then I got sick and, and then he got sick and the kids in between. I, I think I I was so worried that I was going to get sick um, Mm -hmm. and not be able to run that Mm -hmm. I was just so excited when I got I every kind of every minute that went by the drive my mom drove me and it was so nice um you know I got to her place and then we got to every little step that took on that day to get me to that start line I was just 
gleeful because I couldn't believe that it was actually happening. I was I was so grateful. <laughs> I love it. So you show up on race day, you get yourself there. How does it go down? Like you get your number, you get all set up. Are you excited? Are you terrified? What's going on? Yeah. So it was a, it's a very, they were very small race. Uh, it was, like I said, it was a gorgeous day. So I, I kind of, you know, sat at the car a bit, got my stuff together. My mom uh, was my, you know, cheerleader for the day. It was just such a special experience with her. Um, so she got her backpack on and, uh, you know, stuffed it with supplies that I might need. And and then we kind of slowly made our way over to the, to, to get the, the bibs and everything. And, uh, um, you know, along the way, it was, it was so sweet. I trailer, trailer runners are just a different breed. <laughs> they, you know, they, they're, I, I kind of ran into a couple people and quietly getting their stuff together. And this, I just remember this one man just, just, he, he looked over at me eventually and, and is it, is it your first ultra? And I said, yeah. And, oh, and then he just opened up and he was so kind and he just, I don't know, he just gave me that little boost of, you know, encouragement. And, and, and then I ended up seeing him along the route and he kind of, you know, did the little fist pump and stuff. And it was, it. <laughs> I just, everyone's just so lovely. And, um, I was so relaxed and I, I'm a really anxious person. And so in, in marathons with, uh, so many people and the logistics and it stressed me out so much that in the past that this was just the most relaxed start line you know everyone just lined up and go <laughs> you know, was, okay I guess it's time yeah, to go, <laughs> and, go and, and um yeah so so uh I really I had run a a, a 10k trail race a couple weeks prior um just sort of as a you know a a warm up kind of thing and I did not quote unquote run your own race. I tried to keep up with someone and it I just bombed and <laughs> you know I kept up with them until I didn't. And so it was just the reminder I needed of like run your own race. So I kind of positioned myself near the back and I was so surprised um because when when they you know they said I can't remember if there was a gun or whistle or, some, or horn or whatever, but when we all got going everyone just slowly plotted and it wasn't like it was it was the coolest thing to see it was like everyone had accepted the fact that we were not racing a 5k we were you know enduring a 50k and so you know it was it was just it was so funny to see and then we immediately hit uh the big hill or in the race and and I think everyone walked it it was just it was just so interesting to see because in past runs it's just not what I've seen on road races and I loved it so much just everyone in a line marching along with their little backpacks on just trying to make it to the part that was runnable and mm-hmm. um and so I just really stuck to a comfortable pace for me I really tried to not look at my my watch to see mm-hmm. how fast I was going and um kind of just got in a really good uh groove and happened to be around a couple people that were of the same pace or or comfortable going that pace. And it was just awesome. (laughs) I was so excited to be there. (laughs) Did you know anybody else there? No, No. I didn't. But interestingly, I, I, so some of the, um, the, the ultra community, I do follow on, on, on social media. I did recognize some of their faces there. That was, that was really neat to see, but yeah, it was just, it was just me. (laughs) 
Just yeah. Me. And I, I wanted to sort of point that out because I think a lot of people are hesitant to go to their first 50 K. I mean, you had the support of your mom, right? Yeah, but um, you didn't know any other racers there. And mm-hmm. what you have pointed out is that 99.999% of the time you can go to an ultra or a trail race and not know anybody and like walk away with at least one, if not 10 yes. like new friends. Right. And yep. people will help you along the way. They'll mm-hmm. give you tips and they'll, you know, they're just very friendly, very welcoming, very helpful. So for anyone who's listening, who's like, I don't have any friends that are running this race. I don't have anybody that would run it with me. Anyone who's crazy enough to, to run this distance with me, like you can for sure go there and have uh, a great experience, even though, you know, nobody other than maybe the one person who goes with you, or even if you go by yourself, you'll be fine. I promise. (laughs) It was, I honestly felt so welcomed by the mm. people around me and 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 yeah you could you could ask anyone for help or just along the route I don't want to get too far ahead of myself but you know when I started to get a little tired so you know so a, a man came up beside me and he said okay I'm gonna run ahead and when you catch up to me you get my jelly beans <laughs> so, like just little like encouraging encouraging moments and there was another man I had like the loveliest chat with and we just trudged along and it was just it was just such a wonderful experience I just felt like there was this rela- relaxed feel to it even though you know you have to accept that you're it's a it's a it's a lot but it, it just didn't feel that way it didn't feel I didn't feel like this pressure on me I don't know that I've had before in um in in marathon distance yeah it was just so much which fun. is an interesting thing because you're you are self-proclaimed type a i'm also type a right little little anxious little sort of like you know we're we're always on like there's always something that our brains are working on so to be able to go to a place like this and go to a race and like have the complete opposite experience i think is great it's like you know not everything has to be high intensity you know, stress riddled, (laughs) like all these things, which is I think why I have gravitated to trail running and ultra so much because it is the exact opposite I have found of my road running and marathon experience. So I just want to put that out there. We, we talked in the past on our podcast about doing, you know, check-ins and stuff with yourself. And, and I just, I, I remember thinking, you know, doing, doing those along the way and okay, everything is fine. Like it was, it was so, yeah, so relaxed. Like everything just felt really, really um, comfortable. <laughs> just so you get the whole first loop done. You do you have to pass through like the start finish area? Yes. Yeah. We. Yeah. You do. You have to go through and uh, and then just do the do the loop over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was really, um, you know, I, I had some. We did some, you know, goal uh, goals in in the in the program, um, and. You know, they they obviously changed through time because I was faced with some challenges of moving and you know just different things and um you know there's always the goal goal of finishing I I did become uh, prior to the race um, I I was worried about the the cutoff times um, and I just accepted that too okay <laughs> you know just give it your best and if that's what happens learn learn from it yes it'd be incredibly disappointing but um so out there on my first uh, when I finished my first loop I looked down at my watch I'm like oh okay I, I'm I'm doing okay and that didn't feel that hard <laughs> and it didn't feel like when I crossed the 25 it wasn't oh my god I can't believe I have to do this again. I was so excited to get to do it again. And then, you know, know what you were going to encounter. And, you know, I was dreading those 
technical, rocky, bouldery sections. I, I, I will admit, I was not excited to to run those or try and try and cross those. But I was just so excited to get to do another loop. Like, like I was so excited, and I slowed down tremendously. I did end up walking a lot the second loop, and it was more so because I recognized my limitations, and I was really worried about twisting an ankle and on those sections. And I thought, okay, I'm going to just do what I can to get across safely. But that really on the second loop, because I was tired, it, it kind of slowed my momentum down. And when I got to the runnable sections, I started, I just couldn't get into that groove. But again, I didn't let it get to me. I was just like, keep going, you know, walk, run, trot, <laughs> whatever you can do. And, and so I, it, you know, and that I really pulled that from my training um, that, you know, it's okay. It's okay. You're going to just keep going. It's okay. No matter how you make it to the end. And, um, and it didn't feel like, um, it, it just really didn't feel like, uh, this difficult, I, I don't want to, I don't want to diminish that, you know, I, I have had very, very challenging, uh, races and runs and where I didn't think I could finish, but I didn't encounter that this time. And I was, again, just every check-in, I couldn't believe it. I, it was just, it was, it was awesome. I think to, um, you know, some of that, that race, uh, the, the practice or sim- race simulations were key, um, and just sticking to a fueling plan. I had listened to your podcast that where you interviewed the, the, the dietitian or nutritionist. Yeah, Julie, um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was awesome. And, and, and I kind of, I, I learned a lot from that and I was really, really, um, Good. really diligent with, with my fueling. Uh, during and I think that helped tremendously throughout. Were there lots of aid stations, or were you self-supported? How did that work? Yeah, there were aid stations. Oh, gosh, I'm not going to remember. There, I think one was at like eight, and then might have been around nineteen or so. There weren't like ton, but there were. You know, they they were spread out enough, but um, that you know they had uh, you know your standard your standard stuff. But more, I I didn't really need to pull. I did I did have uh, Coca Cola from them. That was awesome. <laughs> Um, but more so, I, I just kind of pulled the from their, you know, cheering and, and support and encouragement. It was really just nice to see faces because there were sections, especially on the second loop when I slowed down, where I didn't really encounter anyone for some chunks. So when I saw someone or saw an aid station, it was really encouraging. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it too. You know, again, we talk about it in the program, like look ahead, figure out, you know, where the aid stations are, how, how far in between, you know, you want to show up knowing what you're going to do. And, you know, listening to Julie's episode is also really helpful because, you know, one of the tips that she gave was like, um, bag everything up, right. Put all the food that you need to eat for a certain period of time, like in a little Ziploc bag. And so, you know, exactly how much you need to get through when you get to the next aid station or the next, uh, you know, before you get to this hill or the next loop or however the format of the race is a certain amount of time. And then that can really, that can really help you. So can you share maybe just briefly some of the stuff that you ate to just, cause people are always asking like, Oh, well, what do I eat? And, you know, I just think it's interesting for people to share what their go-tos are. For sure. So I actually, um, I started with the, with the, the training plan with my, you know, I use goo and, um, and chews. Um, I slowly realized the chews were, because for a while there I was relying pretty much solely on them and they, and they weren't enough. And I realized that once I started having, having the goo gels, um, 
but uh, I did a switch uh, partway through and tested it out and, and everything worked fine. Again, <laughs> really tried to focus on not having anything new on rest day, but, or race day, but I used um, the, I think Morton is how you say it, mm-hmm. the Morton mm-hmm. gels and uh, Enduro tap. I, they're a maple mm-hmm. syrup taste. They were really good. Um, and then I did have the chews, um, uh, the honey stinger chews, Mm -hmm. um, for, you know, just something different because after a while the, the gels just start to, they start to, yeah, exactly. They wear on you. And then in, I, I carried a pack and in the pack I had, um, it's like a hydro amino mix. I don't Mm -hmm. even know if it's meant for running, but it was, uh, it has worked for me so well during the training that I I didn't deviate from that. And it was, it was great. Um, I just made sure I was pretty much taking a gel, um, every half hour for, um, gosh, I don't, I was out there a long time (laughs) for as long as I could tolerate it without gagging basically. And then on, when I, when I knew that I was sort of getting a little bit nauseous or I just couldn't mentally tolerate, you know, choking it down. That's when I would just grab at the the aid station a ginger ale or a Coke because it was, you know, quick sugar. And I knew it, it sat on my stomach and, um, I found, Sorry, but they, it kind of make you burp a little, and that really eased the stomach <laughs> issues. And I, I, I didn't have really any, but it kind of cleared out. You know, uh, just if you're feeling a little, bleh, it, it does. I found it really helps. Yeah. So I really just stuck with with the the gels. No actual real food. It's something I do want to try, but I, I didn't uh, integrate that into to the training. So I did not try it on uh, race day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think that's smart. Like I think you do have to have some experience with your strategy to know, okay, is it going to work or not? Right. And that's, that experience could come in the form of a long run. It could come in the form of a, what we talk about in the, in the program, which is like a race simulation. Um, it could come through an actual race and you won't know until you try. And so I'm impressed that you were able to get all the way through a 50 K on basically just <laughs> gels and, and chews. Right. Yeah. Um, but I do think that the next time around, if you were to switch over and incorporate a little more actual real food, like bananas and PB&J or whatever, right, that you might find uh, another level, like more energy, more speed, some uh, like a well to draw from yes. um, with having more food. But who knows, right? And those are things that you're going to test during yeah. your next, right, your next training cycle. For sure. I really, I really do want to try that. And um, one thing I, I, uh, I found really helpful is having gum in my pocket for mm. when, I don't know, you know, with gels, they just, I don't know how to explain. We've all been there. They just yeah. start to gross you out. And, uh, and just like, a, a fresh peppermint piece of gum kind of like yeah. turns the mind around and and mm-hmm. and really really helps. So that's something I'll I'll continue to do. That was incredibly helpful and such a simple thing to carry. <laughs> yeah, I do think that's an interesting um, point that you bring up because your palate, like your you know what you're able to choke down, as you said, and that's yeah. like very relatable to a lot of people <laughs> who are listening because you know. Um, like, like Julie and I talked about in the nutrition podcast, like you do get to a certain point where you're just like, I am not interested in food anymore. And something as simple as like a piece of gum or maybe like, um, uh, a a mint or, you know, I, uh, during Tahoe, I had like, uh, Ricola 
cough, throat drops because it was so dry for me, but that was really helpful. You know, so you could have something like that, that will sort of refresh your palate and maybe like hit the reset button so that you're ready for something else, or you're at least not dreading the idea of eating (laughs) some other food because you've had that sort of palate cleanser in between. It really (laughs) did help, like oddly simple thing, but it really kind of, yeah, exactly. It kind of changed the, changed the taste buds to, to be able to take on more. So yeah, I, I, I recommend anyone that feels kind of blah, try, try something like that and see if it helps. <laughs> so what was the point at which you were like, I know that I'm going to finish this, right? Like, did you have a specific moment or was it just like, oh, I kind of knew the whole time? I think in my head when I, 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 in advance of the race, I think when I had got, I, I told myself if I could get to 30, I knew I, I knew I'd finish. Um, and, but once I got out there and, and, and I just, I knew I would from, from the start, once I started going and especially after the, um, and not, and not, not in a cocky way or anything. It's just, I knew I wouldn't give up unless, unless, you know, I, I, I twisted an ankle or something. I just knew that I could do it and I'm, I really wanted to do it. And that was enough to, <laughs> to, to push me forward. But when I looked down at my watch, I think around, um, I think around the 30 mark, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's, it's, uh, it's happening. <laughs> it was, and my friend had sent me these, I, amazing message audio messages to listen to when I was having a tough time and I had told myself don't listen unless you are at you know the depths of despair that's going to be your thing to listen to to push you through I never listened I didn't have to listen (laughs) it was this yeah I only let after the fact I listened of course but it was just that thing that little like uh, you know dangling carrot that I used and and it was it, it really helped and and so yeah I uh I I didn't I didn't get to the point of feeling like you know, I've, like I said, I've had, I've had some races where I hit the wall and, and oh my God, I, I would have given up if <laughs> really only one that I, I, if I had recognized anyone on the sideline to take me off, I would have done it, but um, I didn't feel that way. And it was incredible. I it, it, just to, to, to go that much further and, and, and longer and, and not, not feel that that way. And I'm sure there will be, there will come another race where I do, but it was, it was really cool experience. (laughs) So did you have any particular like real lows where you were like, I'm trying to think, I, I really don't think I did, which was bizarre because I usually do in a run, um, uh, or in a, in a, in a race. I think I, I started to get, um, more so annoyed at the t- at the terrain uh, those sections of of rocky bouldery stuff that I was like oh god I d- really yeah. <laughs> you know I just want to run you know and and I couldn't um but I think that was more so um my my low and then I I would say as I approached sort of the last 10k um you know, I was out there, I think it took me over eight hours to finish. So I wasn't speedy by, by any means, but you know, so by the last 10 K I was out there for a pretty long time by that point. And yeah, I didn't want the race to end, but I was also like, okay, it's time. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> yeah. Let's, you know, let's cross that line. Um, so I, I think that, you know, just, just, you know, keeping the momentum up when you started, when I started to reach that point. Um, and, and you know, I'm notorious for sort of, uh, 
like one of the the, the lessons I learned or, or things I want to work on from this race is just pushing myself a little harder, which I know sounds funny when you're pushing through a 50K, but yeah. especially like, you know, talking about that last 10K, I, I could have pushed myself harder. I, I was worried that, you know, I... I would bonk or something. And you, and so I got, you know, nervous and, and just, I want to say took the, took the easier route of just, you know, moving forward, but it, it's something I do want to work on. And, and so, um, yeah, just thinking about those last 10 K I, 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 I was just, yeah, I was, I was ready to be done, but, um, I could have pushed harder and that's something I do want to <laughs> do want to work on. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, you don't know what you don't know. It's your first 50 K. So, I mean, hearing you talk about it now, I would, you know, my, my opinion on that is that like, that was a conservative calculated choice that you made. And it was probably the smartest one you could have made because how could you know, right? You, we don't, we often sort of beat ourselves up for these decisions, but you have to you have hindsight, you have perspective now to be able to say that. But in the moment, you're just trying to make the best decision with the information that you have available to you at that time. And at that time, you were worried that you would bonk and maybe not be able to finish. So the more, the, the better, more strategic decision was to do what you did, which was slow it down, walk it, you know, conserve a little bit of energy, see how you feel, but keep moving, right? This is where like the walking and all that stuff comes into play, right? Like you don't just stop and like wait in the middle of the woods until you're ready to go again. And we keep walking, we keep making progress, right? Um, oh, I had another thing that I was going to say, but I think I, I lost it. But I just think like this whole idea of, you know, practicing, pushing through, you know, drawing from your previous long runs, that's all stuff that you will compound on year over year as you continue to do this too, because you're going to start to build up that knowledge base and be able to compare what you're currently going through to something else that you've done in the past and be able to say, well, if I did that, then I can do this. And, oh, I know what I was going to say. There, there does, I think in every person's race come a point where you're just like, okay, this can be done now. And like, (laughs) you're just ready for it to be over. You've been moving for a long time. I, I, I think every single race I've ever done, I've had that moment. And I've just, I have actually been able to sort of build up this like harness this idea and be like, okay, now that's actually time for me to slowly ratchet up the speed just a little bit, right? Like not go pedal to the metal, but like slowly turn the dial up and see if I can keep moving. Cause again, you want to go, you want to go faster because you want to get it done, but you also don't want to go too fast that you put yourself into a dangerous, um, position, especially if you're going to go it, like if you had to go through that Rocky section again, right. You don't want to be trying to fly through it, uh, at a sort of, I'm going to say deficit, but just because you're tired, you're fatigued, you've been out there for X number of hours and you just want to be done. So you sort of also have to make that calculated decision. How bad do I want to be done? How fast can I reasonably go? And where's the tipping point of it being diminishing returns versus getting me there faster in one piece, right? (laughs) Yes, that's such a good way to to word it. Um, And and the conservative approach is certainly one that I I more leaned (laughs) toward almost every time. But I, that's, you know, what you said, just learning from that and where you can kind of um, push and, and then pull back. That's something that I'm really looking forward to in, in my next, you know, round of training and, and next races, because yeah, like in hindsight, it, it seems like I could have, could have tried a little harder, <laughs> so to speak, but, um, but yeah, I, but you know, at the end of the day, I, sh- I showed up to the finish, you know, I crossed the finish line feeling like 
phenomenal and and healthy. And it was, I was really expecting, um, at some point during the race for my knee to start bothering. It never did in training, but I was just expecting these little things to happen. And, and none of them did. I had a calf cramp once and I stopped and did a little shake, shake down and that solved the problem. And, and, uh, yeah, it just, uh, and I think maybe the conservative route kind of helped with that. I wasn't really being hard on my body during the, mm-hmm. during the race either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, hindsight being 2020, you can look at that now and you can carry forwards or you can test different things in training to be able to maybe go a little bit faster the next time, if that's your objective, right? Right. Or push a little harder in certain sections, if that's your objective, right? You can, you get to choose what the overall goal is for the next one. Maybe it's a further distance. Maybe it's just trying to do that same race faster or whatever the thing is, right? Nobody else gets to decide what those are you get to, and then you get to use all of the stuff that you learned in your previous race going forwards in your training. And then, you know, you'll learn some new stuff. It's like, it's this never ending cycle of test, learn, experiment, test, learn, you know, we just keep going around and around. And some people find that obnoxious, but I feel like the people that have success as defined by them in this sport are the people that learn to like the process of training, get interested in different aspects of the sport, of the running, like ways that you can get more efficient in whatever, right? Like the running, the walking, the power hiking, the descending, the technical stuff, your fueling, your hydration, your strength. Like there's so many different facets that you could really look critically at and get better on. And every single time you focus on something new, you get a a new result that then feeds into your next race or whatever it is that you're doing that then, you know, sends you off on a different sort of tangent. And you can just, this is infinite. This is sort of an infinite game that you can keep going on, which I think is so cool and so fun that you don't have to have one specific objective. Um, you know, you could have different goals for different distance races or keep doing the same race and, and, or the same race distance, but continue to have different goals for each time. And that always makes it, uh, fun, new and interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I wanted to, to, to mention that we talked briefly about the training plan and, Mm. um, how I'd never done back to back long runs. Mm. And I was really nervous about that. Um, and the, you know, first couple that I tried, I I was like, Oh God, this, this hurts a lot. (laughs) And that hurts, but you know, I, I just don't know if I can do it. And then all of a sudden something clicked and I, I, on the second run, um, you know, my legs would be tired at first. And then all of a sudden they would just start to get used to it and then start to feel normal. And most of the time, my second long run was, and ended up being, um, like a stronger run than my first. And I pulled from that so hard during the, during the actual race, like in my mind, when my legs started to feel tired, I just, I just said, just give it a second. They're going to kick into another gear. Like they did when you did your, you know, when I did my second of the back to backs. And so, if you can manage that in your training plan, I would strongly, um, you know, recommend it. It helped tremendously. It made me a stronger runner, more confident runner, I would say. Um, and, um, you know, there were times where I, I couldn't for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and it, it didn't, you know, make or break the the training plan. But if you can, it, it was just 
such a cool thing to be able to integrate into training. And I, I, it was one of the things I think helped the absolute most in my confidence in myself during, (laughs) during the actual race. I love that because I do think it is so important. And it's one of the things that I found also early on was that, yeah, the first handful, maybe let's say if you're, if your plan says do them every single weekend, maybe like the first month, you're just going to hate it. Like, let's just, you know, if you can just like get right with that first and foremost, and typically, you know, the way that the plan is set up in the program is like your first run is the longer one. And then the second one is a shorter run specifically for that reason. So that, you know, you can emphasize the work being done on fresh legs. And then really the second run is to give you the experience of running on tired legs, which will simulate the second half of your race theoretically, right? And that you'll be able to know that you've done these back-to-back runs and that you do have the ability, your body has adapted to you adding load um, on that second day. And you've been able to, at the very least, walk it. Yes. That's, it, it, that's exactly it. It was, it was just, and I, and I, you know, one thing I did, um, prior to the race is I, I, I used Stra- Strava to, you know, track my, track my running. And I looked back and I just scanned through, um, my previous races in, in my training and, uh, or sorry, p- previous runs in my training and, and said, well, look at that weekend. You did this plus this, like, you'll be mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> it's, it's all good. You've done it before. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that really helped just looking at some of those, uh, past runs to kind of give me that little boost of, of encouragement, um, to, to remind me on the day of. Yeah. And I think that's an important aspect sort of going all the way back to the beginning of the conversation is that if your training is sporadic, you don't have that bank of data to be able to go back and look at to, to be able to help you wrap your brain around the fact that you've done these things. If you don't have the evidence, um, it can be difficult to build the confidence. And that's not to say that I have to sort of be tricky with how I describe this because some people will hear this and say, well, I've never, this is where the logic doesn't work. Okay. You can't say I've never done a 50 K before, so I can never do one in the future. Right. So just let that go. But when we talk about this whole idea of having building up your training, like you have to have some evidence that you've done the training in order to be able to go out and do the thing on the day. And I, I'm not saying you're going to go back and do a 50 K every day to then prove to yourself going forwards that you're capable of doing a 50 K on this one day, but you have to slowly build up. And if you turn around and open up your Strava or your training peaks or your spreadsheet or your notebook, however you keep track of your training, and there are more zeros than actual numbers there, that's a problem. And that's where you're going to start to have rightfully. So I think in my book, you're going to have these doubts and these fears and these worries about your ability to do it going forwards. And that's not to say that you can't in that moment decide I'm going to be consistent from here on out. But if that point is like three weeks before your race, (laughs) it it might might hurt a little. (laughs) We have a small problem, right? We might have to postpone. Um, and I would highly recommend that you postpone. Um, but like, that's the sort of stuff that I just want to sort of remind people that it's, it's about getting the miles. It's about, you know, building up the strength and do it, but it's also about 
slowly proving to yourself and you guys can't see me because I'm like gesturing that I'm <laughs> like putting things into my head, but like you're slowly proving to yourself that you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. And then you turn around and you're like, I've done that. I've done that. I've yeah. done that. And then you look forward and you're like, there's no reason why I can't do this. Yeah. I think you, you used a term, something like micro. Microdosing. Like, yeah. And, and, and something about like the small little obstacles every day that you, uh, you know, you, you achieve to to, a vote for yourself Mm -hmm. in the right. That's, that's how I looked at, at the training Mm -hmm. and, and that consistency and and being able to pull, you know, look back and say, okay, you know, even though it wasn't perfect, Mm -hmm. I I gave myself more check marks than, than X's right in the right direction. Yeah. 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 One of the things uh, we talk about in the program a lot is either you're moving, you're either, you're either moving towards your goal or away from your goal, right? And so every action you take every single day is either getting you one tiny little bit closer or one tiny little bit further away. And it can be like an example of this is getting up in the morning and deciding not to do your shakedown. That's one step further away. And if you keep racking those up, you're just taking steps backwards. But if you keep getting up every single day and you keep saying, okay, I'm going to do my shakedown, that's one check in the positive column, right? And then you get to rack up all of this. And it may seem like a very inconsequential decision in the moment, but I can promise you, and I I know from personal experience, there's lots of you guys that are listening that have adopted the shakedown. You've adopted the shakedown. Mm-hmm, like sure. that, that one little inconsequential quote unquote decision and actions pay off big dividends over time. And it's, you're not going to maybe get the huge dopamine hit from doing a shakedown, but the small, the small movements on the microscopic joint and muscle level will add to the greater context of your training. And so every, you know, if you can sort of look at all your decisions through that lens, is this going to help me get closer or is this going to pull me further away? I think that's sort of a valuable way to think about it, especially in the moment, in the moment when you're like, I don't really want to do this, <laughs> which I mean, happens all the time, right? It's, it's normal. It's yeah. Yep. It's uh, absolutely. I, uh, even something as simple as, um, sounds so silly, but like laying out your, your workout or running clothes the night before, because mm-hmm. honestly, like, it's so funny, but that is sometimes my biggest hurdle. I'll get up mm-hmm. and, oh, you know, I get up pretty early and, if I don't have that stuff laid out, you know, it can go south pretty quickly. But if I look over and it's glaring at me saying, you know, come put me on and go on your run. It just, it, most of the time I do, it's, it's uh, just those little simple things that, that get you out the door. Removing the barrier to entry. I yes. sort of call that one, right? <laughs> like if you can take away, especially if you're trying to do the morning runs, if you mm. can take away the, um, well, the barriers, that are standing between you and doing the thing. Like if you can make it a no brainer, like, okay, first I get out of bed and there are my clothes right there. I'm confronted with my clothes. I must put them on. I leave my, I leave my bedroom. I have to go to the bathroom to pee. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's, there's a note on my, like on my mirror in the bathroom, like, you know, written to myself, like do X, Y, or Z. Like the more you can make it for, was said with all the love, like idiot proof, the more you can make it idiot proof, the better, because then you'll have less opportunities or fewer opportunities to try to make your own decision. (laughs) 
it, it's so easy to to find the excuse, right? There's, you know, I can't find my headlamp. I can't find my running. Like, you know, the, like those things you'll find everywhere. Those, those, those little reasons, those little obstacles to try and prevent you from getting out the door. So if you, if you, if you make it easy for yourself not to find the excuses, then you kind of just have to show up yeah. and it's all there for you. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. A hundred percent. I think that's one of the things that you learn through the training process is like how to make it efficient, how to make things convenient, how to get um, efficient with how you spend your time, how you plan your time. That's one of the big things that we talk about. It's like, seems so simple and sounds kind of silly. Like we're all adults. We got ourselves here to this point, right? Like (laughs) we quote unquote should be able to do this, but for some reason we like to throw roadblocks up in front of ourselves and we don't take the easy path. And, you know, I always think about like when I was a little kid and my mom would, I'm the oldest of four kids. So my mom had to be really efficient with how we all got ourselves up and dressed and out the door in the morning to go to school. Cause she couldn't drive us. She worked. So we all had to take the bus. And so there was a time schedule. And so in order to make the mornings as efficient as possible, we packed our lunches the night before we packed our bags the night before we got, we laid out our clothes, like we took our shower, like whatever we did, it all happened the night before. So that all we had to do that morning was get up, get dressed, eat, get out the door. Right. So I think of that same thing as being the way to go when it comes to being an adult who wants to take on an ultra running challenge. You got to get efficient. You got to get streamlined. You have to come up with systems and processes to to help you do that. And honestly, that what you just said there, I I personally think that is the difference between someone who says, "Oh, I I would never have the time to to run an ultra," and and someone that does it is just simply how you lay out your time and and you know your efficiency because the running is one thing, but it's everything that leads up to it that is really the the thing that 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 might be your obstacle. And I I really think that's the whole thing. Oh my God. Like just as a disclaimer, I didn't pay her to say that. We did not have that conversation ahead of time. 1000%, 1000%. I, the, the whole, I don't have time bullshit. I love all of you guys, but like, like the, I don't have time. Like I know people who own two companies, two like brick and mortar businesses and train for Ironmans and like owns two businesses, is an Ironman coach and is a elite Ironman athlete. Like that's three sports, you guys. That's not just one sport plus strength training plus like there, like you'll find excuses. You will make excuses. And so your job is to be your the time auditor, the efficiency auditor, and go in and look at like, you know, just because you do something this particular way right now doesn't make it the the correct or the right or the best way. You have to look at everything like, okay, if I was an efficiency auditor, if I was like in a corporate business setting trying to figure out how this workflow happens, would I be happy with this or would I tweak it? And if it's not efficient, if it doesn't work for you, let it fucking go. Let it go. Make it better. <laughs> This is, I'm like so obsessed with this. I get so worked up about it because I find stuff that I'm doing all the time. Like people probably think that I'm like such a snot because I'm like talking to people like, this is something you need to do. I'm doing the same work, you guys. Like if you could see behind the scenes, like I'm going through this process right now with my business and like how I run these programs and like just had a call with someone yesterday to help me get like my 
Um, I use this app called ClickUp. If any of you guys are like ClickUp experts, <laughs> let's chat because like I have this thing called ClickUp. It's like it's like where I store all my information. It's a hot mess. I had this call yesterday with this woman in this business to help me like get it figured out so that I can get more efficient, so that I can do more of this stuff, so that I can do more coaching and like help more. It's like I am in, I am in the boat rowing with you guys. Like I am constantly trying to get better at all this stuff and like how I managed to train for a 200 mile race in the conditions that I had at the time will always boggle my mind, but somehow I figured out a way to do it. Okay. And this isn't like me preaching or getting on my soapbox or whatever. I'm just saying like, look, I figured out a way to do it. And you guys can too, going all the way back to the very beginning of the conversation where Lindsay was like, if I can do it, you can do it. Right. If we can do it, you guys can do it a hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay. And it really does. I, I got some feedback. It's interesting. Cause like 2023 run your first 50 K program is like getting a facelift, so to speak. So much stuff that's going to happen. And one of the comments that I had gotten from someone in the previous round was like, eh, I mean, like the goal setting and scheduling stuff, I don't really need it. And I'm like, okay, great. That's fine. You don't have to need it. Like maybe your process is great, but there are also people out there that come in that, that are sort of, that can relate to me being like, my life is a hot mess. Like I don't schedule my time. I'm constantly late for things. I don't know how much time things takes me. And that, whole process that's in the program was born out of me being that person and being like, I was never really late to things, but I would always like show up with my hair on fire, like trying to multitask, like doing all the things and having lots of bleed over, um, you know, anyway. So, but like, that's the barrier to entry to a lot of this stuff. If you keep saying to yourself, I don't have time, then you're not going to have time. You're not going to find the time and you're not going to look at the way you're doing things and make it better, which would then gift you back your time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, like not to, you know, again, get on the soapbox, but just for, for perspective for anyone listening. So during the start of this training plan, so we, we put our house up for sale to move. I had started a new job in a different city. So I was commuting back and forth, not all the time, but it was a, a four hour, you know, commute back and forth. We had the, our two and four year old, both full-time jobs with the house. We had, I think 29 or 30 showings, which is like an impossible... <laughs> situation the house has to be impeccable so you know just running out the door with kids and you know trying to to balance it all and was the beginning of the training plan perfect absolutely not um you know but kind of regrouped and and yeah okay where am i where am i focusing my my time where can i be more efficient and we you know it's just you you, you make it happen if if you want it to happen yes <laughs> I also agree with that too. Like, I don't remember who else was saying that the other day. Someone else in my DMs, we were having this conversation. It's like, yeah, if you want it to happen, then you're going to find ways to make it happen, yeah. right? And that's not to say yeah. that you're going to want it all the time. There are going to be highs. Yeah. There's going to be lows. There are going to be days where you're like, why the fuck did I sign up for this, <laughs> right? We've all had those moments, but they're yeah. fleeting. And like, sure, you're going to have a shitty day sometimes. You're going to be like, you're going to have one of those days where it's just not the best. And that's fine. It's not going to last. Like you just have to know that it's just, it's going to pass. You just have to keep moving, keep literally keep putting one foot in front of the other, keep plugging away at the plan, keep showing up and you're going to have a better day. It might not be tomorrow. It might be the next day or the next day after that, but it's going to get better. Right. And the more yes. support you can recruit, the more people, like the more community, the more you can get yourself into places where these same types of conversations are happening, that women are and people are training for the same types of things. Like 
the more you can commiserate with people and find solutions, like not just commiserate and like bitch about things, but like, Hey, look, I'm really struggling with this. What have you guys, have you guys experienced this? What did you do? And like, and sometimes it's really just like throwing it out there and people being like, yep, been there. Trust me, it gets better. Like just so that you know that you're not alone. I don't know if that was like your experience, but that's, that's been my experience. Big time. I mean, just like the community, that small community of it, just hearing people's challenges and yeah, you know, saying you're describing your own and and Mm -hmm. just even that simple. Yeah. I've been there. It's going to get better. Like just, you know, ride the wave and and it will get better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Helps tremendously. I love it. I love it. So, um, you mentioned your next training cycle. Do you have a goal for 2023? What's what's next? It's funny. I, uh, my friend and I actually signed up for a 50 K before, um, I finished this first one. Yes. That's the way to do it. That's yeah. the way to do it. You sign up for the next one before you even finish the first yeah. one. Cause then you're yeah. like, I got to, cause I got this other one. Exactly. And I'm honestly so excited. I love the training process part of it, um, of, of this, this, this whole, you know, ultra training. I just love the training. I love having something to look at my plan written out and, and I'm just so excited about that. So yeah, the, the, that race is the end of May. So I've got a little bit of time and in between that there's a, um, a 30 K road race. That's just my absolute favorite thing to do that, um, that I'm going to train for, for the end of March. And it's sort of a good thing to, cause we have similar winters, um, <laughs> kind of get you out the door training um something to motivate me so um uh, i'm so excited so it's another 50k on the trails and um in this one um there there it's i think there's a hundred hundred miler as well so it'll just be really interesting to mm-hmm. to be able to to watch other people um achieve, achieving their goals in that race too i'm i'm pretty excited about it <laughs> is it closer to you further away from you it is closer. It's actually, you know, I think about maybe half an hour away, closer to where my, my mother lives. So I'm actually hoping to be able to go and experience the route before <laughs> before the race this time. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for you. It, it was so fun to have you in the group. Like you always brought like such good energy. You were always your giggly, like bubbly self. You always asked really good questions. You weren't afraid to like speak up and be like, guys, like, help, help a sister out. Like what, you know, what are you guys? And I think like, that's one of the most important parts about this process too, is that just asking a bunch of questions, right. Getting into a space where people are, like I said, sort of training for the same thing, but, and then speaking up and asking questions, like not being afraid to say, I don't know. Right. I didn't have that when I was training for my first 50 K. Like I was sort of out on a Island by myself, not, not literally, but like I was out in the middle of Vermont, like training by myself. I had friends who were athletic and my husband's athletic, but you know, he's never run an ultra before. And most of my family at the time were still sort of wrapping their brains around the fact that ultras existed and that I could quote unquote, potentially like really hurt myself or kill myself, like running. I don't know. Maybe you guys have had this experience too. Like they were like, you can't like, this is, this is just crazy. Like people don't run that far. I'm like, they do. And they go further. I'm fine. Like I haven't killed myself yet. Settle down. (laughs) Um, but like, and not having people to ask questions of not being able to have those, you know, like I could talk to my husband about it. I could talk to like a couple of friends, but I really couldn't, 
geek out over it and be like, guys, how do I overcome this? I really had to do it on my own, which sucked, which is why I'm like so into this whole idea of creating a space and providing an environment and sharing everything that I've learned so that you guys don't have to suffer. And I rarely ever use the word suffer, but I will use it in this context because I truly feel like I suffered through that first process and I learned so much, which is why I will never use the word suffer to describe it going forwards because (laughs) I did all my suffering already. Like now it's just learning and experimentation, right? So. (laughs) Well, and I wanted to just say something about your, about your plan, just to run your first 50K. If, if, so for me, you know, I, I think I did like six marathons sort of on my own willy nilly following online plans and stuff. And, and, and I really wanted to do this 50K and it never had occurred to me to actually, you know, join and pay for training from a professional. I didn't, I don't know, like, I didn't think I was, I don't want to say worthy, but I'm like, you're a recreational runner. Like, really? (laughs) You know, who, how fancy do you think you are that you need to do this? And I'm so glad I did. So if anyone is on the fence, you know, about that, just, just do it. I I do think it's really, really worth it. You are worth it (laughs) to, to, to try and, you know, get some, you know, some really like great advice and direction. I I think it's important. I I would do it again, a hundred percent. Um, you know, if you can put that, if put some, that money aside and direct it toward achieving that goal, like don't think because you may not be fast or, you know, or this is like a, you know, crazy goal that you may not be able to achieve that you're not, it's not worth it for you to put that, that, you know, put yourself into that group and, 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 you know, expose yourself to some really, really awesome advice. I, I, I'm so glad I did it. Um, yeah, just for the longest time for years and years and years, it would have never occurred to me to actually, you know, go into some sort of, you know, training program like that. And it, helped tremendously. Well, I really appreciate you saying that, but, and I also think that like, I had the same opinion, right? I, I, and I, and I, what I want to offer you guys to counter this is I think it's actually more important for us as quote unquote recreational athletes to pay, to have some sort of professional insight because we can't afford to injure ourselves and not be able to go on with the rest of our lives, right? If you're a professional athlete and you get hurt, you're still most likely getting paid. You're getting sponsorship deals. You have people that will step in and take care of you, right? Like that's part of being a professional athlete and you're getting coaching. You're, you're getting all that stuff. That's part of being that. But if you're not a quote unquote elite or professional athlete, I think it's actually even more important to figure out how to train in a smart, strategic, sustainable way so that you don't break something. You don't cause yourself irreparable damage or harm. And, and it just is like, I caused myself just as a side note for anybody who just doesn't know, like I caused myself some pretty serious damage playing, uh, sports and, and working in a specific way for many, many years that, that resulted in severe SI joint pain. And if you've ever had that, you know how painful it is, right. And how debilitating it is. I couldn't get dressed. Like I had to lay on my bed to put my pants on like feet up in the air. Like I couldn't bend over to pick things up. Like I just, I would be out in the middle of public and have to hob like bend over like an old woman because I couldn't move because I had shooting pain up and down my leg. Like I did that to myself with, and like 
So, so when I, when I first started training for my marathon, I did hire a coach. Subsequently, he wasn't the right fit for me. And this is sort of how I ended up on this trajectory of becoming a coach myself because his approach was very narrow and appropriate for him. And this isn't like a male female thing. It's just, this is the way he coached runners. It wasn't the right thing for me. And so I had to figure this whole thing out, but it was through the process of paying that I learned, okay, this is how we do this. And we do this in a smart and strategic way. We don't just throw darts at the dartboard and wherever it lands, we randomly do it, right? We do it smart and strategically. And I would say that when we make the investment, we, we expand our knowledge, right? We get better. I mean, my whole life got better after I paid for that coach, because then I got to really see like, Oh, I am so much more capable than I ever really thought. And, and it's not just as it pertains to running, like it pertains to all these other things too. It just sort of like blends into the rest of your life. And, and if you're sort of hung up on this idea that you're not an athlete, quote unquote, you're not worth it. Like, why would I pay? I really want to challenge you on that because I think you'd owe it to yourself. If this is something you want to do for the long haul to make the investment, right? Like invest in some books, invest in a coach, invest in like a one-on-one session, have somebody write a training plan for you. If you're really all in on this, and you really want to do it, and you're sort of like I was out on this island, right? And you don't have anybody, then definitely invest in a group like Run Your First 50K, where you are with women who are trying to do the same thing. We're all in the boat together, rowing in the same direction, overcoming the same obstacles and challenges. You're going to learn so much. And then outside of that, you start to grow your network of ultra running friends and they may be close to you, but they also may be like, we have people all over the world. We have people in Canada. We have people in Australia. We have people um, in Germany. We have people like all over the place. Right. And so it's just cool to be part of this really cool community that you at any point can tap into and be like, Hey, like, what do you think about this? And just like, yeah. I think it just takes everything to the next level. hundred percent. You said it so much better than I, <laughs> than I could. No, you started it. And I, and again, like I, I, we did not talk about that beforehand. <laughs> like that is completely yeah. unsolicited. I love that. I obviously love that you said it because it's such a ringing endorsement for the program, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's, it's on a bigger level. It's not just like, Hey, Megan, you know, like Lindsay loves the run your first 50 K program, which is great. And I love to hear that because this, you are the person that I literally created it for, but it just is thinking about you as a human on a bigger level. Like you are worth more than just muddling through your training and like repeatedly rolling your ankle and getting hurt and being sidelined from work and not being able to take care of your kids and just constantly like, like you're worth more than that. So I love that you brought that (laughs) up. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Any last thoughts or tips or anything that you want to share? I mean, you've shared so many good nuggets, but like anything you want to be sure that people know about or think about or get inspired by? Oh my God. No pressure. No no pressure. (laughs) I I don't know if I can think of it. I think I've talked so much today. I just, I I just have to say it was just so much fun. And it was such a pleasure to, 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 to be in the group and then to be in that race. Like Mm -hmm. just, I've just felt so grateful to be there on that day. And, and I, um, just the one thing that I did really try and focus on is just to, to not think about the next kilometer or the next, I just really focused and I've heard it. I never really was able to, to, to do it, but focusing on the, on the mile you're in. And I did, I just look at the tree beside you, look at your feet in front of you and don't worry about, you know, 
getting to 40 or getting to getting to 30, just focus on on where you are at. And that helped tremendously on the day of. So if you can put that into practice in your training, um, I think uh, I think that can help a lot. (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's such good advice. And I would agree with you. I heard it. I think back in the day, I used to think it was very cliche. And I'd be like, guys, come on. (laughs) But when you get into these longer races, right, you can't be thinking because, um, I have a whole uh, episode coming up at some point about, I mean, we talked about the gap, Mm -hmm. right? Like in the program, but like if you focus on the gap, it's between where you are and where you have to get to, right? The 50K finish line, it's going to seem so far and you're going to focus on that gap and you're not going to be able to, with a clear head, turn around and look at, oh, I've already made it this far. So going back to what we were talking about, about your training plan, like, you know, doing all the work and looking backwards behind you and saying like, I have all this evidence, right? You're in your 50K. You have all this evidence. You've already run this far into a 50K. Celebrate that. Focus on where you are. Make the best decisions right now. Don't worry about what's coming up. Even if you do or don't know what's coming up, you're going to get there. Like just face it when you get there, focus on enjoying yourself, you know, running your, running your race, which is another huge aspect of it. Yeah. It's like so true. The more you get caught up, I mean, we could do a whole separate episode about that too, right? Like just running your own race. Um, just, I think I, I get the warm and fuzzies when you say that you like really enjoyed the whole race experience. Cause that's what I want for more people. I don't want people to show up and dread it and for it to be like a scary thing. I mean, sure. You're going to be a little nervous, yeah. right. But I don't want you to walk in there being terrified, which is again, why I put together the whole program because I want you to have all the information ahead of time. I want you to, you know, do all the work so that you can show up and be kind of excited and a little carefree and just like, Ha- enjoy the experience yeah. because that's that's really what it's all about. Right? I, I, I remember thing. taking a video and sending it to my sister partway through, and it was just like the most gorgeous fall. You know, the leaves and the, it had fallen on the ground. It was just, it's so beautiful, and that's all I could really keep saying. And I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm. You're doing yeah. it. You're doing it. And it's just so nice to be here. And that I honestly, I, I had that mentality, and it helped tremendously. <laughs> mm. yeah. Some of my best races. That has been my outlook. Just yeah. like thankful, grateful, excited, in awe, just having a good time, like like being in the experience, you know, because I think not to get off on too much of a tangent, but we spend so much time like trying to fly through things and just get, and especially those of us that are type A, it's like, now what, now what, now what, check, 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 like do all the things, make sure you have all your bases covered that I have a hard time sometimes being in the moment, which is again, super cliche, just, but like, I feel as though when you're trail running, you have the distractions have been removed. There's no more, you know, to-do list. You get to really just like experience life in this, you know, minute by minute. Right. And just have that experience of, you know, moving and breathing and having fun and just having this whole experience, one that you may not have ever had before, or if you've had that distance, you haven't been in this place at this point in time with this set of circumstances. And it's just like, it's just, I just get warm and fuzzy when people are like, I enjoyed my race experience so much. I'm like, yes. Sorry, one other thing I know. Um, I I saw uh, someone else in their race kind of, they just, someone described watching another ultra runner and and what they observed from them. And the two words they used were positivity and focus. And I, I, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I, I kind of repeated those words in my head during the race. Like, okay, positivity, like what can you be positive about? And then focus, what can you, what can you, what can 
you control. So my focus really was on, you know, the fueling and stuff. And then on the positivity, just embracing what was around me, being, you know, cheerful to other runners, you know, being grateful at the aid stations. And those, it just really worked. It's, 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 it was, it was really cool um, to hear that description of another runner and then try and and kind of employ that in my, or use that in my own um, run and race. (laughs) Love it. Oh my God. I love it. All right. So next time, the next race, you're going to have to come back and tell us, right? Like first 50 K second 50 K we're going to just make a whole series out of Lindsay's Lindsay's race, but like, you know, it's valuable. I think it's valuable for people to hear and understand and, and, you know, just like follow other people's um, processes. I would be curious to know one last thing before you go. Do you, do you think about yourself differently now? Like, would you classify yourself as an athlete sort of going back to what you were saying before about non-athletes and athletes and paying for help and, you know, getting coaching? Like, do you think about yourself differently now that you've accomplished this 50 K? I don't know. I I remember after when I finished that my first marathon, I felt like a, like a superhero. Like I felt like (laughs) no one could, you know, bother me. I was just, I, I, I don't know if I'm there yet. Um, I think I actually have said to to people when I've talked to them about the run or the race that, you know, I'm not, I'm not really that athletic at a, per, a person. And I, um, but I, I, gosh, that's a tough, qu- I'm going to need to reflect on that. I sprung that on you. <laughs> I think, I think I have a lot of work to do in that area still. <laughs> And that's a perfectly fine answer. I just, I find it interesting because I I do get pushback from some people when I'm like, you're an athlete, whether you are elite or professional or whatever, like if you've chosen to train for this goal and train for whether that's a half or a full or a, you know, an ultra, whatever it is, like you're an athlete. And the quicker that you adopt that mentality, I think the better off you are as it pertains to how serious you take your training, yeah. how, where you prioritize it, you know, just all the, all the different facets, mm-hmm. all the different components. So I, it's sort of like my new question now for people like ha, once you've completed this 50 K, do you, if you, if you didn't really consider yourself an athlete, you sort know? of like what you were saying, like, do you yeah. now? And, and again, I don't, I I don't necessarily think that there is a right or wrong answer, but I like to ask the question because I think it makes people sort of think differently about themselves in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely have work to do on that end of things, but I definitely feel um, proud of myself. So I think that's a really good thing. (laughs) You know, that's a start. I I have some work to do on whether I consider myself an athlete though. Let me, let me drop this on you though. Like, if you were to poll the five or 10 yeah. closest people in your life, yeah. my guess is that eight out of 10 of them would answer yes, yes to that question. I believe you are right? correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It has a lot to do with how we see ourselves, yeah. how we think about ourselves, how we talk to ourselves. And so that's just like another, like, yeah. you know, you know me, I like to geek out on mindset stuff. Like, you know, so it's just a different way to think about it because we might view ourselves one way and then when we flip the lens around and we ask for outside input, you know, we might get a different perspective or see ourselves through somebody else's lens. Like there are people that, you know, look at me and because I have heard this feedback and like as this amazing ultra runner, I'll tell you what, I do not feel like an amazing ultra runner. Like I don't consider myself in the ranks of the, like, you know, some of these 
cool yeah. <laughs> ultra running celebrities that have also run 200 milers. Yeah. So like, just because I have run 200 miles, I don't particularly think of myself as being this amazing athlete, but to other people I am. And so it's all about perspective. And, and I do, you know, sort of have the warm and fuzzies after finishing Tahoe and being like, holy shit, like that was amazing. Like didn't think I could do it, believed hard, blew my own mind and actually did it. Yeah. Right. But I don't see myself as, no, it's, you know, it's and funny. I, you yeah. know, I, I, uh, I, I, I got some race photos back and I, I was able to like just take a glance at them from the the perspective of you know someone that you know just looking at them and I, I remember like thinking to myself oh my gosh well I look like I I look like a runner <laughs> I look like a well I'll be you know it was really it was just such a funny um, you know realization when I saw the saw the pictures because normally no I just kind of think I'm you know there <laughs> but mm-hmm. it was yeah I just yeah it was kind of a funny thing. Um, something, something to think about. (laughs) One other quick thing to think about too, is I was trying to do some statistical research about the running population, right? And, you know, the, the number of people it's, it's a little tricky. If any of you guys listening, like have direct stats, I mean, I've done lots of Googling about this and haven't been able to find anything super concrete that I'm willing to quote, but if you look at the stats about the percentage of the people in the population that have run a marathon, it's like going up, right? right? Yeah. And the the trend is going up for people who run 50Ks, right? But if you, and then, and then, you know, there are more people subsequently running some of the other longer distances. But if you look at it through the bigger lens, it is still, I'm, I'm like, for you guys listening, like I'm holding up my hands like a big circle here, right? Like if we look at the whole big circle of the population, you know, the, the amount of people that have done a marathon is significantly smaller than the overall population, right? The number of people in that group that have also done a 50 K right is very small. And then the circles just keep getting concentrically smaller and smaller and smaller. So even if you feel like you are not special, that you are not an athlete, that you are nothing to write home about, right? you are still part of a very small elite group of people who have done a really tough thing that not many people would ever have the balls to sign up for, right? Like no one would have the cojones (laughs) to like sign up to do this really epic thing. So you can also flip the script in your mind and think about it from that perspective. That's that's the place I have to go to, right? On the days where I'm like, who wants to hear me talking to a microphone? <laughs> like who cares what I have to say? And then I'm like, oh yeah, I did actually manage to yep. get myself 200 miles. I am part of this cool, like sub elite group of ultra runners. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I just have to operate from that yeah. space, yeah. right? Like, yep. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And you're part of that group too, right? You're part of that group too. Now you're an ultra runner, which is amazing. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you for spending the time with me. I really appreciate it. I know everyone's really going to enjoy this conversation because again, you're, you just bring so much energy and laughter and like just a good perspective. And you, you encountered so many challenges right throughout your training that you're such an excellent demonstration of the fact that if you want it bad enough, if you can figure out a way to keep moving forward, then you're going to hit your goal and then go on to do another one. (laughs) It's so much fun to talk to you. (laughs) Oh, you're the best. Thank you. (laughs) 
Okay, well, I hope that you guys found that helpful. I mean, I really enjoyed chatting with Lindsay and hearing all about how she navigated her training. Um, I mean, you know, I took 25 hot pink post-it notes worth of notes and information and thoughts and tips and ideas just from that conversation. So if you're a mid to back of the pack runner, just like Lindsay, and you'd really like to do a 50K, but you're not sure if you've got the time or the knowledge or the confidence, then do what Lindsay did and apply for the Run Your First 50K program. The next round starts on Monday, January 9th, and it's a six-week group coaching program for women that walks you step-by-step through everything you need to know in order to successfully train for and run your first ultra distance race. If you want to hear more details about just what the program is, what it entails, what you what you get from it, what you'll be doing, then go back and listen to, I think it's episode 116, the one that is entitled Announcement for 2023. That's where you will find all the nitty-gritty details about the program. You could also join my private Facebook group aptly titled run your first 50k because I'll be going into more detail over there over the next week or two giving you some behind the scenes looks at it answering questions about it so that you can help uh, I can help you to decide if this program is a good fit for you or not that's all for this episode you guys enjoy this beat and I'll see you all soon (laughs) 